0: We are continuing with our sermon series, The Last Words Jesus Spoke, as we head towards Easter in this Lenten season. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. Listen for a word from God. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding Jesus and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are the one who leads us to the garden, who leads us to paradise. We pray this in your name. Amen. Fyodor Dostoevsky was a Russian author born in the early 1800s. Today, his name is as renowned and famous as his name is difficult to pronounce. He grew up in Moscow in 1821 and had quite a difficult life. Though initially he had some success as an author, he was uh, heralded by the uh, reviewers. They said that he was the new Golgol. He was a very great new talent on the Russian literature scene. He was going to be something spectacular. But the next few short stories he published were not well received. His next few were not published at all. He soon found himself in debt money was tight and his gambling addiction was running rampant he was searching for a place to belong a niche where he felt accepted and he found this community in the petrovetsky circle which was a group of russians who produced political propaganda it was a group of thinkers and Believe it or not, creating anti-government pamphlets during uh, Tsarist Russia was not a very safe occupation to be. Eventually, Dostoevsky is captured with many of his friends and brought to prison without any sort of court case. They are kept there for eight months. And then one day they are dragged out of their cell and placed in front of a firing squad. They are all lined up one by one. And as the firing squad draws up their weapons, there's a note that gets delivered. And it's a note pardoning them from death. But the psychological toll would weigh on Dostoevsky for the rest of his life. One of his friends had a psychological breakdown that he never recovered from. Dostoevsky would even find out later that this was all a farce. They were never going to go through with the execution. It was just a political, horrible uh, punishment given to him. But he wasn't even released then. He was sent to exile in Siberia, where he worked in a work camp under horrible, unpleasant, awful conditions. He would write that in the summer there was intolerable closeness and in winter unendurable cold the rotten filth on the floors where it was an inch thick one could slip and fall we were packed together like herrings in a barrel there was no room to turn around from dust until dawn it was impossible not to behave like pigs for fleas lice and black beetles were there by the bushel and yet in these disgusting Conditions with with no hope of release after undergoing severe psychological torment. It is here that Dostoevsky finds his faith. It's here that he finds the unfailing love of Jesus Christ. Given only a New Testament to read, he poured over the pages at night. Ever touching, ever getting closer to the grace of Jesus He would later write, I am a child of unbelief and doubt up until this moment, and I will honestly, certainly remain that to the grave. But if even if someone were to prove to me that the truth lay outside Christ, I should choose to remain with Christ rather than the truth. For Fyodor Dostoevsky, his faith was found and forged in the crisis of his condition. Where no hope appeared on the horizon, the grace of Jesus Christ showed up. You know, in our scripture from Luke, we don't know much about these criminals who are hanging on the crosses next to Jesus. Our text translates the word used to describe them as criminal, but the word is essentially a combination of two other Greek words, kakos, which means evil, and ergon, which means work or do. So we have a couple of evil doers next to Jesus. They have done something that has made the Roman Empire say, you need to die a very public death so what you do doesn't happen again. To put it bluntly, they are not heroes in anyone's stories. They are not the role models you want your children to follow. They're not, they are receiving their just dues. And it's on the cross, on that incredibly painful horrific, torturous device that these evildoers hang and are coming close to the end of their life. It's in that crucible, in that crisis, in that terrible moment that they converse with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. The first criminal in his pain mocks Jesus, saying, if you're the Messiah, save yourself. He has no faith that this man is the Messiah. Clearly, he cannot be. He is hanging on a cross. But this criminal, almost like buying a lottery ticket. You know, someone has to win. You might as well buy it. It might as well be me. This man clearly is not the Messiah, but he might be. So the criminal says, save yourself and us. It's like he's pulling the, the, um, he's, he's, he's buying a lottery ticket. But the other criminal, who is equally in pain, equally shares in the shame of his life, equally on the cusp of death, equally in the crisis of a position, sees Jesus and turns from bitterness. And he says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He chooses to forego hopelessness, His request is not one to be removed from his circumstances. It's strange. His ask is not to have the pain taken away. His petition is not to be saved from death. What he wants is to be known by Jesus. What he desires is to have his name known by God. What he wants is grace. The unnamed criminal for me as perhaps the greatest faith in the entire Bible. The only time he meets Jesus is on the cross. Jesus has completely forgone any worldly power. Jesus seemingly has nothing left to offer. He's dying a common criminal's death. The crowds are no longer following him. He has not performed a miracle. He has nothing materially to give this criminal. Yet, The grace that is Jesus Christ is more than enough for this man to yearn for him. The grace that is incarnate in Jesus Christ is so overwhelming, so powerful, so incomprehensible that the criminal knows that what he must have in that moment is to be known by Jesus. And how does Jesus respond to this request, to this ask Jesus says, truly, today you will be with me in paradise. The grace of Jesus responds. It says, regardless of what you have done in your life, the crimes you have committed, the hurt that you've caused by turning to me, my grace has led you to transformation. My mercy is enough for you. And my grace gives you new life. Even if that new life won't be much longer here on this earth. That word that Jesus used for paradise, it means garden. It's the word that's used for the Garden of Eden. And what happens in the Garden of Eden, what makes it paradise? It's that humans get to commune with God. That humans are intimately known by God. That is what paradise, and Jesus says through the grace of the kingdom, I will be with you this very day. I know you today. I remember you and love you exactly as you are through my grace and mercy. Church, I know that there are moments in our life when our decisions lead us to pain. There are moments when ones we love in our life are hurt, or we are hurt due to circumstances completely outside of our control. And it's in those moments I think we have a choice. We can be like the first criminal and buy our lottery ticket. Pull the slot machine. That's what I was trying to remember earlier. Slot machine. And hope that, you know, it'll work out. We might as well put a quarter in. What do we have to lose? Jesus, please just stop this circumstance. I'll throw out a prayer and maybe it'll work. Or, Or we can be like the second criminal, asking just to commune with Jesus, just just to know that God remembers us, to know that God holds the world in God's hand. The second criminal, this man knows that there is more than just temporal feelings, that with Jesus there is eternal grace and eternal love which holds us. So when exile inevitably comes to your life, or if you feel like you've been in, exi- in exile for months or years, if you feel like you have been left out to die by yourself, fix your eyes on Jesus, the crucified God, who asks- and asks to be remembered. To, like Dostoevsky, know that Jesus makes more sense than what makes sense. To me, the logical response for this criminal is asked to get off the cross, to be saved. But Jesus is bigger than that. And because Jesus is eternal, because his love for you is eternal, when crisis comes into our lives, we look and we glimpse the crucified Christ who's next to us, saying, truly, today, I know you. Truly, today, I love you. Truly, today, I know you. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.